We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to another edition of Thank God It's Friday, live from the Sydney Writers' Festival and the Riverside Theatre in Parramatta. I'm Richard Glover, and a big welcome to our audience here at Riverside. Thank you for coming! Coming up soon, tonight's team, it's Ivan Aristogeta, Heidi Regan, Tommy Dean and Colin Buchanan. But first, here, as always, is the news from nowhere. We're here as part of the Sydney Writers' Festival, so we should start with the latest literary news. In parts of the United States, like Florida and Tennessee, school authorities are busy banning books, particularly anything involving adult themes, which in their definition includes sex, race, and the existence of evolution. What a contrast to the Australian education system in which I grew up. The English syllabus in senior school was a bloodbath of sex <laughs> and death in which students were slowly marinated for six long years. I believe it's much the same today. We kicked off in year seven, we were 12, with a John Donne poem. You remember this? In which the poet used a pretty dodgy argument about a flea bite to tempt one of his gal pals into bed. Now, I don't recall the teachers saying, don't try this at home, which may well explain the high level of teenage pregnancies in the 1970s. Next up was William Golding's Lord of the Flies. Do you remember that? In which, it was a book which offered a rather dire assessment of human nature. His argument, strip away the thinnest veneer of civilization, and we'd all turn almost instantly into murderous thugs. Now, after a morning spent studying the book, we'd retire to the playground for a lunchtime bout of British Bulldog, <laughs> the bloodthirsty violence of which did provide some support for William Golding's theory about humanity. With shirt buttons torn off, the odd bleeding forehead, and dragging the bodies of any fellow students who'd actually been rendered unconscious during the game, we'd return to the classroom for another insight into the human condition. This might involve readings Orwell, reading Orwell's 1984. Who remembers that? It was a lovely little book in which a man was tortured with a cage full of large, ravenous rats which threatened to eat his face off. We were 12. Or it might involve the light comedy Equus. Who remembers Equus? A psychosexual horror show. This is true in which horses are blinded by a boy wielding a steel spike. At this point, we moved into year eight. <laughs> By then, we were judged old and uh, mature enough to tackle theatre, which comprised Shakespeare and various Greek tragedies. These made Lord of the Flies look like a rosy rom-com. People were killing their fathers, sleeping with their mothers. In Romeo and Juliet, they were committing suicide at the age of 14 because their love life was a bit hit and miss. 
Year nine was spent on John Wyndham's various dystopias in which humanity was consumed by triffids, cuckoos or aliens. And then an excursion into the trenches of World War I, courtesy of all quiet on the Western Front. By year 10, our teachers had decided we were sophisticated thinkers who could now cope with the emptiness at the heart of human existence. A course of reading in French nihilism was ordered, focusing on the work of Albert Camus. Who remembers Albert Camus? Who wants to remember Albert Camus? <laughs> he was a bloke who hadn't cheered up since he'd been left out of the Algerian soccer squad at age 16. His books all had light-hearted titles such as The Plague, The Fall and The Outsiders and posited that life was pointless and crushingly dull. Well, for anyone growing up in the Australian suburbs of the 1970s, this appeared a statement bordering on the obvious. <laughs> the final years of schooling were, by contrast, a canter. We read Thomas Hardy's Tess of the D'Urbervilles and made notes about how the author's imagery of blood foreshadowed the tragic outcome of the book. And we read D.H. Lawrence's Sons and Lovers and made notes about how the author's obsession with penises foreshadowed the tragic outcome of the book. <laughs> and now, years on, I find myself choosing rather sedate novels involving giddy love affairs and the odd social faux pas. I have an aversion to crime and I dislike anything involving the blinding of horses. My basic policy, there are enough bad things in the world without writing novels about them. Now, this doesn't mean I object to the blood and gore of my education. I salute the Australian teachers of the past and present, and it's got to be better than what's available in the book-banning states of America. Once they are my age, those American kids will realise they know nothing about life. They may even be forced to undertake a crash course of Sartre and Camus late in life, which at that age would surely create an existential crisis. And that's the news from nowhere. <laughs> Please welcome Tommy Dean. <laughs> Heidi Regan. Ivan Aristogeta. And with the music, it's Colin Buchanan. And with the music, it's Colin Buchanan. He'll show up at some stage, I'm sure. Welcome. Oh, here he is. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to you. Uh, welcome. Thank uh, you. Now, uh, book it's a literary festival. We're going to try to be literary. Book titles are so easy to get wrong. Here's my question. How would some of the world's most famous books be changed if the author had got just one letter wrong in the title? I'll go first. How about Bridget Jones's Dairy? <laughs> the story of a humble dairy farmer and her search for love. So, Hi, Heidi. I got one. Uh, I don't know if this is too highbrow to start. Um, Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Mime. <laughs> uh, Hawking writes in like non-technical terms about the structure, origin, development of mime. It's very, 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 very good. But Tommy. does not demonstrate it. <laughs> yeah. More, more, more from everyone. Oh, we're just going to jump on it right up. Uh, I'm very excited about the Great Catsby. <laughs> written by F. Scat Fitzgerald. <laughs> it's exactly the same story, but all the characters are cats. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I've got Fifty Shades of Prey. <laughs> that's, a, that's a book for only falcons and, and eagles. <laughs> Limited audience. Yeah. More? Um, I got a thriller about how... Coca-Cola branding and symbolism has been inserted into great artworks throughout the years since the time of the Knights Templar. It's called the Da Vinci Coke. Oh, so good. 
Oh, Lovely. wow. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Very generous, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, too generous. <laughs> no, uh, I couldn't decide. This became very difficult uh, to decide because uh, there's so many ways to go with this. So I'm going to give you all of them. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, it starts with a young adult title about a student private investigator. Uh, that, of course, is Toby Dick. <laughs> the travails of a large man shopping for pants, Moby Dax. <laughs> the rise of techno music, Moby's Dick. Uh, Southerner uh, lost on the way out, Moby Hick. Uh, the invention of ice cream, Moby Lick. Uh, Irishman goes to New York, Moby Mick. Moby Nick. Guy finds his nose, Moby Pick, Moby Rick, Moby Sick, Moby Tick, Moby Wick. That one stars Canal Reed. Wow. <laughs> and, and the one I'm most excited about is Moggy Dick, which is the same story, but all the characters are cats. <laughs> <laughs> and the most famous opening line in all of literary... Call me Ishmael. <laughs> beautiful. Wow. That's beautiful. Don't encourage him, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. More, more, any more? All right, I've got, I've got a, a To Deal a Mockingbird. This is a cookbook <laughs> pairing, <laughs> pairing herbs and poultry. <laughs> um, I've got Jabs, J-A-B-S, uh, much like Jaws. Uh, it, you know how Jaws accidentally started a hatred of sharks? Uh, this started the anti-vaxxer movement through its <laughs> hatred of jabs. Uh, Jane Austen, of course, wrote a very famous book about the difficulties and romance uh, while running a Turkish takeaway shop, <laughs> Pide and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go on a Car and Peace, from War and Peace, and that's the complete opposite of Fast and the Furious. It's <laughs> too many layers in that one. Too many. Yeah. Okay, okay, let me get another one. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. A uh, hundred pairs of solitude. <laughs> it's a it's a magical realism story in a um, South Australian orchard. Mm. <laughs> Be moved I, from its setting in South. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the the princess and the pear. That was like ah. not as successful. Very clear. The pear is under the mattress. But um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got uh, Stephen King's Pet Seminary. <laughs> That's a book about cats that join religions and then horrible things happen. <laughs> and uh, then The Handmaid's Pale, ah. which is actually just a series of makeup tips to help a woman look nicer for her man. <laughs> Surely it's about cats if it's got a tail in it. <laughs> Ooh, The Handmaid's Tail. The Handmaid's Tail. Of course, change the eye. Oh, no, stop. It's about a, a cat who's a handmaiden. Who wags her tail. Yeah. <laughs> what about the, the jive people you meet in heaven? That, that's all I have. Because <laughs> jive is like five, but different. Uh, Richie, that's Richie. how this game Sorry, works. Colin. Paying attention. So can I interject? Yes. I, uh, just for the benefit of uh, the people who uh, are here who can't see me, but also for the listeners, I'm sitting on the other side of the stage yeah. in preparation to be the musical guest and the audience all goes, ooh. Um, I thought of uh, the, f the, the, the uh, book about not having enough underpants, the failure, failure of the two-panty system. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't written that down to find out whether I changed one letter or two. <laughs> that, that's it, back here, back here. I'll, I'll just tune in. Just, so, just so we up. are still clear, in today's episode of TGIF, Colin is not comical. <laughs> 
I think he's established that already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, the boob thief. <laughs> oh. It's like the book thief. Oh. Like Marcus Zusak. K to a B, and he's stealing the boob. <laughs> nice. I- I don't know if this one's pushing it. Uh, I was looking at Little Women. Uh, I've been researching yeomen lately, 14th century farmer landowners, Little Yeomen. It's like the charming tale of four little little yeomen just learning how to get along. No? No one? I think we should move on to the next question. What do you think? I'm with you. I'm with you. Dunce. What? Dunce. Dunce. I took Dune and I put a C in there. Do you guys know how this game is played? <laughs> okay, one more. I'm playing it perfectly. Well, I've got grime and punishment. Yes. So it's, 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 it's a manual on how to clean fish and ship shops. <laughs> <laughs> Dostoevsky's later books. <laughs> uh, a round of applause. Yeah. Uh, after a startling literary start. Now, it is election day tomorrow, and yet the main parties seem to talk about issues like defence and tax and the environment. Not once has anyone mentioned noisy leaf blowers or the terrible taste of UHT milk, the things that really matter. I'd like each of you to give me an election speech in which you promise to fix the most important of life's petty annoyances, after which we'll elect one of you, Prime Minister. I, uh, Ivan, why don't you go first? OK. Please, take the take, take the lectern. Take the lectern. He's raising his hands in victory. Good evening, Australia. I'm going to be the next um, Venezuelan Australian Prime Minister. I know what Australia needs. I've been in Australia for 10 years. I know what you need. I've I've tried, I've studied you, and I know you're. What are the things that get you that really deep in your heart? And I think um, Australia needs free tomato sauce. Australia needs to go to a bakery, free tomato sauce. Fish and ship shop, free tomato sauce. Tomato sauce is very important to Australia. It's so important you just call it sauce. (laughs) The sauce by default is tomato sauce. (laughs) The Australian motto of food is no food can taste so bad that cannot be fixed with tomato sauce. Thanks to tomato sauce, Australians have been eating food. Whether it's delicious or not, they keep eating. (laughs) You eat your mum's food thanks to some tomato sauce. And not just Australians living in Australia. Backpackers, Australian backpackers around the world have been eating delicious food and not die from starvation (laughs) thanks to tomato sauce. (laughs) Haggis in Scotland, (laughs) tomato sauce. Guinea pig in Ecuador, <laughs> tomato sauce. <laughs> Coffee in America, <laughs> tomato sauce. Bring tomato sauce back to the people. For the people. Hear, hear. To the people. Hear, hear. Another thing Australians need, I've seen this, I've watched too much television in the mornings because I am a comedian, I work at nights. Australia needs free funeral costs. There's too, many, too much funeral insurance. So many TV ads for funeral insurances. Why? Why do you have to pay so much money for it when you die in Australia? You shouldn't pay for, for, for your funeral costs in Australia. There's a lot of land to bury people in Australia. A lot of land with sweet FA. 
There's nothing in these places. Why don't you bury your loved ones for free? Your grandpa dies, take him on a road trip, grab a shovel. <laughs> and if grandpa doesn't want to be buried, there's lots of sharks in Australia. <laughs> yeah, instead of white lady funerals, great white lady funerals. <laughs> Vote one. Ivan, we'll see if he's winner. Heidi, Regan, give us your pitch. We want the trivial things that we face solved. Many of you don't know me, but I'm hoping you know the same pains uh, that I feel. Uh, number one, hand dryers. They never recognise my hands while they recognise everyone around me and they go off, they get a lovely blast of hot air. Thank you very much. Uh, what I am proposing, uh, whenever I do it, they don't even... I feel, walk away feeling like, do I even exist on some kind of plane? Do these machines know I'm not a real human? Uh, so what I am proposing to you is attendance in every toilet, not to help you use the machine, just to address you and say, I see you. You are human, so you don't leave with an existential crisis right after you've had a lovely, we're leaving we, thank you. Um, uh, people who walk too close behind you on the footpath, like right up tailgating, uh, when you reach 12, you will have to undergo a walking test, like a driving test. Um, if you tailgate people, you fail. If you walk three abreast on the footpath and don't like go single file, when some thank you, thank you, uh, you fail. Um, if you not only tailgate someone, uh, but while you're behind them, you speak very loudly and obnoxiously, that is uh, a, that gets you a five-year walking ban, and you must then just drive everywhere. You don't even need to pass your driving test. I want you in that car and off the footpath, away from me. Um, but also, if you stop walking so suddenly that someone behind you runs into you, technically, that's an infringement, unless you were doing it to teach the tailgater a lesson <laughs> and then run into you, then you get the mayor's Matt badge of honour, which is a thing. Um, and, oh, well, oh, if you walk too slowly and make me, walking behind you, also have to walk too slowly and look around me and take in my surroundings and think about life and my place on this earth. You fail. I've got places to be and inner turmoil to suppress. I do not want that thinking time. Um, I, also, uh, I also hate people who walk the same pace as you. Like, they know you and then you try... I mean, someone's got to sort that out. I haven't got time in this campaign, but someone should get on that. Um, oh, and finally... It's a tiny one. Uh, when you forget why you opened a tab up on the computer, um, solve that. I'm just going to ban the internet. I think that's a nice, simple solution. Get it out. Uh, so thank you for your vote. Cheers. Vote one, Heidi. Tommy Dean, give us your pitch. How are you going to make our life better? Make your lives better. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it depresses me to be standing before you today with such an important vote being called, it just makes me wonder what has the state of Australian politics become that your election is boiled down to a Venezuelan, an American, and a woman. 
None of this has ever been seen before in this country. <laughs> Makes no sense to me now. Play something flowery, Colin. Something campaign flowery. This country has time. That's what makes it beautiful. And I'm going to make sure we have all the time in the world. I'm going to ban the snooze button. I'm going to ban alarm clocks outright. I'm going to ban clocks. We are going to live by our natural circadian rhythms in this beautiful country. You will wake up when your body tells you to wake up. You will go to work when you feel like going to work. You will have meals when you feel like having meals. Time is yours to define. And curiously, this will not in any way affect the performance of the trains and buses in this great state. They will still arrive exactly when you expect them to. And with all that time, we are going to go back to our roots as single-cell organisms. I'm going to ban conversations that don't make sense after the first 30 seconds. <laughs> Chit-chat is outruled. If you ask the question, how are you going, you are banned. <laughs> if you don't sit down and look like you want to know what the answer is. There'll be no more drifting by. We just don't have time for it. Sure, I just said we have all the time in the world. <laughs> but we don't have time for that. <laughs> but mostly, in the times that we live in, we are all going to work from where we want to work. And I do not want to think, as your next prime minister, I know everything that you need changed. I am going to instantly, from day one, make the Prime Minister's desk a hot desk. <laughs> we are a party of the people, for the people, and actually the people themselves. If you have something you want to do for this country, you just come on into my office and you can get it done. <laughs> the only rule we have for this is that you must prove that you have on at least three occasions called up the ABC and complained about the way things are. <laughs> Doesn't have to be the same show. You could call James Valentine twice at breakfast and then call Richard in the afternoon. That'll qualify. As long as you offer at least one solution. Hi, Richard. This is uh, Clark. I'm calling from the northern beaches. And I just think they should all get stuffed. <laughs> you come into my desk and we will get them stuffed. <laughs> There's much more, much more, many more planks in my platform. And if you want to see the back deck of my perfection, please, tomorrow, eat a bacon and egg roll. Then, have a sausage sandwich. Then, buy a cake you will take home and throw away. And vote one, Tommy Dean. Prime Minister of a trip. <laughs> I approve of this message. Okay, by acclamation, who wants a Venezuelan? <laughs> who wants the woman? Who wants Tommy? 
I announce all three of you elected yeah. unilaterally. Just, uh, a triumphant. Under the all three win, that is my plank, so I think I win. <laughs> we will hot desk the three of us. That, that, might be, that may be the case. Uh, we have Ivan Aristogeta, who is playing his show Happy Pappy at the Factory Theatre in Marrickville tonight through to Sunday. We also have Heidi Regan. She plays the Newcastle Comedy Club at this Sunday. We have Tommy Dean. We have Colin Buchanan here yeah. with his new album. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's still in the, it's still in the, the oven. That's right. Here's uh, Collins in real life tour plays the Brass Monkey on May 26, the Heritage in Bulleye on May 27, the Vanguard on May 29. But right now, he's here playing yeah. Parramatta Riverside. Thank God it's Friday. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Claire O'Mara and George Washing Machine are here too. To yes, play yes, Claire. And look at that. I've got a band now. <laughs> A lot of people who listen to TJF know you for that. A lot of people who listen to Play School back in the day know yes. you from that. People know you for your Christian music. We're having you on as a country star. This is your first country album for a decade. You've got heaps of golden guitars. Tell us about how this all began, because you grew up a, a Sydney suburb boy, didn't you? Uh, yes, yes. Born in Dublin. I'm, I'm a complete fake when it comes to country music. I was born in Dublin, in Ireland. Uh, we emigrated and grew up in Peakhurst in Sydney. So that's... That well-known cattle farm. <laughs> uh, there on the beautiful Salt Pan Creek. Yeah, yeah, I remember going down there fetching the water in the morning. And uh, yeah, So uh, I, my wife and I went to live in a little Christian community out the back of Burke. Not long after we got married, we were in our 20s. And, um... I think it was 1988. Yes, very good, yeah. Richard. Yeah. Wow. Well, I went and visited you there. You did. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I've, to this day, I find it fascinating just how... I mean, it, it sort of explains my experience in some ways, because when you went out there, it had a big impact on you as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. a remarkable... It's an amazing country, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just found that my way of uh, processing it was writing songs and uh so and that you know i wasn't planning a country music career uh the, yeah burke is not exactly nashville when it comes to career <laughs> moves you know so uh uh someone said you should enter a song in tamworth that's what they said for the country music festival so i, I rang the as as you do if you want to get ahead in the industry you, you ring the tourist bureau and say i want to enter a song and it's like you know you can see them Dale, we've got another one. You know. <laughs> so they said, well, tr try this number. I entered it and, and, uh, and I got three songs. I'd like another, ooh, three songs in the... In the... Hang on, I haven't finished. I didn't... Wait, 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 it wasn't the three songs. It was the three songs in the grand final. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, of the Capital Country Music Association uh, uh, Country Songwriting Awards. So uh, the finals, the, the preliminaries were held in the Uniting Church Hall. And... Uh, <laughs> And anyway, my friend uh, from Wollongong, Peter, said, uh, someone said, hey, did you hear Colin won a country music award up at Tamworth? And he said, yeah, it sounds a bit like the chook raffle to me. <laughs> so that was very cruel of Peter, and I think I've been vindicated since then. But, uh, well, vindicated by, by nine golden guitars. A lot of them for songwriting. You've written all these great songs like Half Town and with, with, with other people. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, well... Tommy, yeah, Tommy, yeah, teased, Tommy was teasing me backstage. He, I, I had my guitar strapped on and he said, Hey, Colin, is that a... Oh, actually, I've got to do it in Tommy talk. Hey, Colin, is that a golden guitar you're wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't released my Tommy Dean impersonation. Uh, it's it got to be the right time, but... Uh, I, want, yeah. you, I want to do a whole song. You've got to do a whole song. Whole song, whole song. as Tommy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I want to be on notice because I just really want to... You know, or, or should I just uh, 
Well, I grew up in the Yonstra, and they'd never been there. And I don't get up because they got <laughs> fish and chips. Well, if they're fish and chips, how come the fish aren't with the chips? Because they put the chips in a different thing. What's with the newspaper? I want to read the newspapers covered in grease, and I don't get it. <laughs> it's uncanny, isn't it? Uncanny. It's like we've got two of them. Imagine how good it'll be when he actually gets his writing crew together. <laughs> Tell us about writing songs, co- tell us about co-writes, because a lot of the songs you've, yep. you've written, you get someone, you know, Lee Kernighan's one example, uh, Troy Cassidelli's another, and you write songs together. How does yeah. that go? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I love that uh, when you collaborate, it, I mean, sometimes it falls in a heap, but when you collaborate, it's like your reach is extended beyond what you could possibly you know, you get to. It's like if you join arms and one person holds, holds the, uh, the bus stop and you swing around, you make a mighty big circle, you know, and that's what it feels like. You just cover ground that you, you could never do on your own. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that the lightning had to strike for songs to be written. And then I was on the road with Lee Koenigan and he said, oh, let's, let's write a song about a ute tomorrow uh, in Goulburn. We're in Goulburn. Uh, Sydney Writers' Festival's just got pretty classy. Um, anyway, we... Uh, it, I went up, I said, I can't really do that because you've got to, it's got to be the moment for a song. He said, no, no, two o'clock, we'll write it. There'll be Coke and a Mars bar, he said. And he meant the drinking Coke. And so, uh, uh, so uh, we wrote a song and it sort of became a, one of his, you know, standard songs. And he said, next time we're writing, you know, for an album. And that just sort of became a snowball. And it was like, oh, actually you can circle a day in the diary and write together. And, uh, and it's well, just if you've got songwriting story. muscles, you can, yeah. Well, and, and using those muscles, you know, that's what the best advice I ever got, and there's lots of writers here and people who love writing, but the best advice I ever got was from John Kane, who produced the first two albums. and Flying emus and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he just said, he signed off a letter, keep writing, and I hadn't, you know, I, I just, he just said, keep writing, and I've used that advice, John, and passed it on to many, and I think it's, it's great advice. He's even written a song for us today. It's from In Real Life, the, the new album, which is coming out soon. You're doing a real-life tour, as I said. What are you going to play for us? Well, I, uh, I love the old hard rubbish collections, the clean-ups, as they're called in Sydney. And uh, uh, a few years ago, they used, to, they used to be in sync. Now you've got a book one. But it used to be the whole suburb, the, the, the streets just suddenly erupted in rubbish. And if you were a scavenger brought up by a father who, who a trip to the tip was a, a chance not to relinquish but together, um, uh, 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 then you would love when everyone just brings their rubbish and puts it. It's a smorgasbord. It's like the Sizzler dessert bar <laughs> to a 10-year-old. Look at all those smarties. And uh, so then in the next street, I saw a suitcase, and one of the laws of scavenging is look inside the suitcase. You know, it may be a dead animal, but you're not sure. And anyway, inside this suitcase was a girl's school books. And, uh, and I guess that, you know, the time comes, heartbreaking as it may be, that some of these things you keep forever, you say, well, it's sort of time for them to go. And, uh, but thankfully, they were not chucked in the back of the truck uh, to be taken to the Sutherland Tip. They, uh, they're in my roof. <laughs> uh, they were found by a songwriter. And, uh, and in fact, you're going to help because it goes da, 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 no, 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 you just, it's just Dow, D-O, D-O. Actually, how do you spell Dow? Yeah, anyway, we'll do that when it comes around. All right, let me take it. Let's try it. 
In a battered blow-by-the school case In the rubbish by the road They've been brown since 54 In a wardrobe or a drawer But they weren't needed anymore Little Susie Oh, little Susie She wrote a Malvin star Little Susie Wonder where you are Little Susie Moore Forty years have passed But you're gonna make yourself a new friend Little Susie Da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da-da I can tell you were a sweet one Little Susie Stories made me chuckle as I turned each yellowed page. And the pride in every line had stood the test of time. And now your books are mine, little Susie. Oh, little Susie. She wrote a Malvin star. Little Susie. Wonder where you are Little Susie Moore Forty years have passed But you've gone and made yourself a new friend Little Susie Da-da-da-da Put your books with their books In our battered globe case And you never know just when Someone may just chance on them And you weave your magic once again Little Susie Oh, little Susie She wrote a Malvin star Oh, little Susie Wonder where you are Little Susie Moore Forty years have passed But you're gonna make yourself a new friend Yeah, you've made yourself a new friend Oh, you and me are friends now Little Susie Da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da Da-da-da-da-da-da Welcome to Canon, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Mara and George Washing Machine. Thank you so much. In real life, uh, the two are coming up.
and then the album to follow with Colin. Can I stay? Is yes. that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just a, it's, a, yeah. it's a great seat. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think Colin would have worked out as well if the girl's name was Agatha? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it'd be a difference, a very different song. Yeah. I mean, it would. It would be. Yeah, probably difficult. It would be difficult. I'd need to call in probably Lee Kernigan <laughs> and others to, uh, to crack that nut. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Right from Paramount Riverside, thank you for coming. Hey! And thank you for singing. Now, news this week that a couple in India is suing their son and daughter-in-law. Did you hear this story? It was on ABC News. For not giving them grandchildren after six years of marriage. They, they want close to a million dollars in damages. I don't think it's funny. I think it's very sensible. Um, here's my question, though. If your parents were to sue you, what do you think they'd be after? And for what reason? Heidi? Um, well, I assume this is like they're suing them because like, they want grandkids for like a legacy or something like that. I... On that note, I think my parents should sue me for what I'm doing to their legacy, like with trying to have a comedy career. Every time I don't get a laugh, I am putting their name into the mud. The name Regan used to be a good name. Every time I go out and do like some silly video on TikTok that gets no views, it's like I'm just driving it down and down until they're going to be ashamed to be Regan. So yeah. I, w- I would speak to a lawyer if I were them. I think they've got a good case. Because they're um, prominent members of the Newcastle community, aren't they? Yeah, yes. Well, they were. They, oh, yeah, they were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had another name, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be that, or, um, or they could sue me for the time I uh, didn't clean my room and missed a termite nest uh, in the house that then uh, really got dug in and cost them a lot of money. That's a more clear-cut case, but I'd go the legacy option if I were them. It's more... But it is true. I think you're probably... Because you've been in, in the UK for about 10 years doing stand-up, and, and they, they don't necessarily see it here in, in Australia, and they'll, get, they'll go and visit you someday, and they'll get off the, the plane at Heathrow, and they'll go to passport control, <laughs> and the guy will go... <laughs> <laughs> And then they'll know the truth. Yes. The yeah, horror. The horror of what I've exposed. been doing, yeah. Ivan, you're, Ivana, you're, uh, your parents would be wanting to sue you, surely. Yeah, yeah. What for, though? The, the, all right. Um, especially my mum. For all the Tupperware containers that I lost when I was a kid. <laughs> like, there was... The, the subject of Tupperware's containers from my mum is it's something very delicate. Like, something... Very, very important. Like, like one day, I, I, after growing up, becoming an adult, I say, "Hey, mom, why do you get so so fast with it? You have no idea. Like, if you if you listen, Tupperware. If you have a bad day and you don't find the matching lid for the Tupperware container, you can kill someone. Okay, you can kill some." And then she told me this story one day. I will never forget this story. She was like, "One day I was very tired. I, I arrived home and I had a terrible day at work, and and I and, and then this was this this pumpkin soup." Left on the on, on the kitchen stove with the but turned off like and I was oh just I need to put everything away everybody's sleeping now so I'm looking for the for the biggest Tupperware container to fill all the pumpkins so she put all the pumpkins and she couldn't find the lid and they said I couldn't find the lid now I have to find different containers like four or five different containers transfer all this soup into these containers get all the lids for these containers and I was I couldn't believe my life and that was the day I I, I left your father. <laughs> It's a delicate subject, Tupperware containers. I think she will sue me for the value of the today's value of all the Tupperware containers that I lost when I was a kid. You know when, you so, so, you know when someone tells you a story and they're sending someone up, 
and they think it's hilarious about that other person, and everybody in the room is on the side of the mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've just experienced. Yeah. But do you, yeah, think, yeah. you think, though, that your father, for like five days, was like, man, it is, it is so quiet in here. <laughs> And look at that. There's another self-serve container of pumpkin soup. <laughs> like, he thought that she was doing something special for him. Yeah. Like, five days of just silence and pumpkin soup. But my pumpkin soup. So good. And then, like, on day seven, he's like, where, where wait is a she? minute. <laughs> what do your parents want to sue you for, Tommy? Pacifism. They, they, they want to sue me right back into the, into the system, man. I got to let it go. They want to sue me for every haircut I never had. <laughs> you know, two of my cousins are hairdressers, and I haven't given them a single dime. <laughs> sue me for that. They want to sue me for all the guns I didn't get. <laughs> 53 birthdays and not one single gun. <laughs> not to mention the Christmases when guns are even better because you can hide them in the stocking just in case. <laughs> my Santa is very careful about the ways he approaches a house in America. <laughs> Very careful. Uh, they, they definitely. Uh, in fact, just come to light. Uh, I've mentioned this before. My brother uh, is a member of the United States Secret Service, which is a service you may not be aware of. <laughs> but it is a very well-oiled machine. And uh, my brother uh, just sent me photos, uh, which he just found randomly. How weird is it to just find randomly on the internet? Photos of your brother. So my brother found these photos of him in various moments of riot protection. And some of the various riots that have happened in America over the last five years. Uh, he was on the front line pressing back. And there's all these different photos of him in authoritarian mode. Shields, face masks, just strength. And then, and then if you look up my YouTube videos... <laughs> They're going to sue me for that. <laughs> oh, they're going to sue me. Very much. They're probably going to cite uh, Regan versus as their precedence. Yeah. But I've brought the family down as well. His long hair, non-weapon-using pacifism. You know, if I find out that he thinks both parties have things to offer, <laughs> there's going to be trouble. And you move to a country with no guns. I know, how dare I? Yeah. How dare I? <laughs> yeah. Not only did I not take the gun, went to the gunless capital of the world. Yeah. At least tell me, at least tell me, tell me you're going to stab somebody. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, Devon, you moved to a country with lots of Tupperware just to rub it in. Yeah, no, I've got limitless Tupperware here. No, I'm, I, I move away from my mom to, because I know how much Tupperware is. I, I cause her a lot of grief. She's still looking for me. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm in Australia. <laughs> are, are, you re are, you ready? are you ready for the Wheel of Death literary yeah. as well? So I've, I've taken all the books that are featured, all the authors that are featured at the festival and uh, some of their most famous books. And Tommy's Dean, uh, Tommy Dean's um, challenge is to write an instant review of all these books. Now, now, you know that Tommy's got a very wide and extensive literary knowledge. Um, so he'll probably know these books, very, be very familiar with them. A lot of people don't know this, but I have read every book. Ever written. Well, that'll be handy. Yeah. Except one. The one that there's, you... No, no, there's one, because I read... Uh, one of the, most, the most formidable book that I ever read uh, was a book called uh, A Thousand and One Books You Must Read Before You Die. <laughs> but there's one that I absolutely will never read based on the idea that if I don't, 
I will live forever. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see if there's anything here. So pick out a title, and then I want an instant review yeah. of the title, whether you've read it or not. All right, I'm going to take this one right here. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorites of the year. Uh, this is called People of the Book. Yeah. This, this is a fascinating tale. Um, it, it basically, it sort of takes the idea... Like, it's based on the template of Noah. You know how, like, in the Bible, Noah, you know, built an ark and then brought two by two. Uh, this, this is very similar. The idea in this is that the, 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 the ark has been replaced uh, by the book. <laughs> okay. And then, and then it's populated with people. What, what, the, what people of the book is attempting to do, thematically, is bring us together as humans, to show the in, the, the, like, if there's anything about humans we know, it is humanity. <laughs> it's what we are. Yeah. It's right there in the name. It's by the book. <laughs> it's by the book. It's a, it's a, it's, a lot of people, when they read this, just, I can't put it down. <laughs> like, they, like, they can't put it down. Because, you know, a lot of times when you read a book, you're sort of outside of it and you try to understand how the characters are. But in this, you instantly recognize yourself. Because you are a person. And a person is a people. And you are in the book. Like, it is every tale ever told twice. That's how good this is. A lot of people, the people of the book, a lot of people don't know this, it used to be called the phone book. <laughs> Does he die, ladies and gentlemen? No, he, he lives. Uh, Geraldine. That's a book by Geraldine Brooks, uh, the Australian writer who won the Pulitzer Prize, and uh, it's a, a, you know, it's much as he described it, actually. Let me change it based on our first game. If we just change one letter, ooh, look, it's people of the boob. Everybody. 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 But it was nurtured. Now, the, Horta, the Royal Horticultural Society in the UK has decided that gardeners should stop killing... Uh, 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 um, slugs and snails and instead treasure them as an important part of the home ecosystem. Uh, what other things normally considered bad should now be regarded in a more positive light? Ivan? Uh, fitted sheets. <laughs> Everybody hates fitted sheets because they don't know how to fold them. Very, but I think they're very important in our lives. It's, a, it's good for mindfulness. In these times that uh, the, there's so much stuff going on you, the only way you can fold a fit of shit if you're, if you're in the here and now, in the present. <laughs> so don't, go to, don't do any yoga or mindfulness courses or, or, or abs and, and meditation. Just, just fold a fitted sheet with your being present. <laughs> being present, and you will do it. Yeah. I realized recently that the label is always in the bottom left-hand corner. Ah. And once you know that single fact, your life becomes so much better. <laughs> I've never seen Check it out tonight. In my life. <laughs> Check it out tonight. It works. Wow. Wait a minute, though. 
or the top you, right. How do you fold it? I don't still don't know how you fold <laughs> it. I, I I know how to fold it, but I don't have a fitness sheet here. Oh, right. that's another thing. What's what another thing? Is you start with a Tupperware. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's about it's about the the you have to follow the the, the how do you call it the seam of the mm. fitness sheet. So you have to find the the corners. So you fold a corner into the other corner. Like diagonally or left or Inside. right? Inside. So, like, you're folding the fitness sheet into itself. It's like a, 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 a paradox. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a great... The philosophy of the fitness sheet. Followed. It's a great book. <laughs> See, there are other sessions at the City Rise Festival where they believe they've got philosophical, but they can't beat us, right? Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, what normally things that, you know, normally are considered bad really are good? Um, I think uh, giant WhatsApp groups or Facebook groups. Like, the bigger the better, the more the strange, the people you barely know, the better. People think they're awful and fill you with anxiety, which they do. But you go on a beautiful journey every day. Like, we got added to our neighbourhood WhatsApp group at the start of the pandemic. Every time I put a message in there, no one replies. And, you know, you spiral for about an hour being like, they all think I'm an idiot, they've all got better things to do. Like, why? And then you start questioning, like, why do I care so much what these strangers think? You go on this whole journey until the end you're like, you know, I'll never be happy until I don't need this WhatsApp group. And then someone, by the time you've got, like, zen about, then someone replies with some, or says their own thing. And by then you can either be cruel and be like, well, loser, I'm not replying to that one. <laughs> uh, or you can be, you know, kind and reach out and be like, ha, 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 or whatever they need. Uh, and it's just a beautiful journey you get to go on every day. So every day you hate yourself, love yourself, reach out to another. Also, you can be uh, chaotic, like go find the hen group WhatsApp you were put in in 2017 to organise a hen weekend. You've never seen them since. Just go in there one day and just be like, share a meme that made you laugh. They were like, what? Who's high? Why is she doing this? Is, is she getting the band back together? It's, it's, a, it's a great way to spend the day. So, yeah. Thank you. It does sound, Heidi, uh, I don't mean to be too personal, but you're suffering from a lot of anxiety. Have, have, have you considered a fitted sheet? <laughs> Tell me what's normally bad that really is good. Look, lost fruit and veg. Just in the depths of your refrigerator, those two drawers at the bottom of your refrigerator that just seem to take the last cucumber, the last half of a green pepper, the last of an apple, a couple of grapes, and then eventually they liquefy. <laughs> and everybody, everybody acts like that's terrible, like you've created some sort of, you know, alien goo that's just awful. I think it's nutritious. <laughs> How can it not be nutritious? Like, I think one of the mistakes we make with fruit and vegetable is using them so fast. Like, why not let's let them live their lives as long as they possibly can? <laughs> and then once they have fulfilled all of their dreams, we take the essence of that life and drink it into our own body. How can it not add to our strength by bringing it back to us? You wait till they're ready to die? No, just like every six months, you don't have to like plan for it. You just do, go about your normal day, and then every, say, third bin night, you know, just get a mason jar and tip the drawer out. 
Because what's exciting about it is two things. One, you're never quite sure how much you're going to get. <laughs> and you're never quite sure. It never tastes the same. <laughs> Even if you use all the same ingredients. If you, like, start trying to massage it, you know, three grapes, one apple, a lemon, but then suddenly, where'd the carrot come from? Um, I'm, I'm getting, like, a hint of carrot. Uh, fun, fun fact, um, the Lion King originally, it wasn't Mufasa explaining the circle of life to Simba. It was just Tommy going through this uh, <laughs> circle of life of his fruit drawer. It was very moving, very the original version. If you chuck a couple of mushrooms in there, who knows what you will create? <laughs> <laughs> who are the winners and losers of this week? Ivan. The winners or losers of this week? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. What do you mean? Of us? Between us? No, no, no. Of the, of the whole country, of the whole world. Of the whole world. <laughs> world. Okay. Uh, uh, the, oh, you got me. Uh, uh, well, obviously, the, the, your mother is a winner because you left the country. Yes, absolutely. I'm also a winner because I don't have to pay her back all the Tupperware. Um, I, think, I think the winner of this week are, are authors. Mm. This, this, <laughs> this is the Sydney Writers' Festival. Yeah. Give it up for people who take time to write. It's very difficult to write books. Here's to the writers. Would you say writers. that writing a book is very much like putting a bunch of different vegetables in a drawer <laughs> and no. waiting no, and no, then I'm, just dumping it out and making the people ha, drink have it? Have you written a book? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I wrote did it feel like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, well, I wrote one chapter of it because I'm a people. <laughs> Heidi, who were the winners and losers of the week? Um, I read about a lady, I don't know if anyone saw, she married, she was obsessed with Ed Sheeran and she married an Ed Sheeran lookalike and I believe the quote she said was, I always wanted to go out with a ginge and now I've got the best one apart from the real Ed, obviously. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I just think the winner of the week is their future relationship therapist because it's not going to be hard to figure out what the issues are in that relationship. And it's a very clear evolution about that. Tommy, who's the winner and loser? Just quickly. The big winner, the big winner, and I rarely celebrate her in this show, uh, but my wife, my beautiful wife, has created a show. It's currently on your ABC on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. The first episode just dropped. It's a show called Space 22, which is a show about uh, mental health being dealt with through art as therapy. It is a gloriously beautiful show. My wonderfully talented wife made it along with her team, and I am very, very proud of her. So she Who's is forced to drink vegetable juice out <laughs> <laughs> of the fridge. What do you think powered the show? It's a lot of probiotics and prebiotics. It's yeah. good. And the big loser of the week is the election committee. Like, I just can't believe they didn't notice that people might have COVID come voting time. <laughs> what? Please thank Tommy Dean, Heidi Regan, and Ivan Aristogheta. Please thank Colin Buchanan. Thanks for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Check out our next On the Road show at the Wagga Comedy Festival. Next week it's James O'Loughlin, Gene yeah. Kitson and Tommy Dean. Until then, from the Parramatta Riverside Theatre and the Sydney Rise Festival, I'm Richard Glover and Thank God It's Friday! Thank you for the Festival Theatre.